I'm San Francisco Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and you're listening to Fifth in Mission. There's unusually good news on the coronavirus front. Pfizer announced Monday that its vaccine is proving 90% effective in preventing COVID-19. What does that mean, and when should people in the Bay Area expect to access the vaccine? And what will the Biden administration mean as we continue to battle the virus? Health reporter Aaron Alday is here with the latest. Aaron Alday, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Heather Knight. I always enjoy another installment of All Day and Night. Me too. And I think this might be the first one we've ever done with some good news, considering we've only done them in 2020. That's true. I think that's true. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So there was some good news um, on the vaccine front. So can you um, brief listeners on what happened with that? Yeah, we actually had, um, it's really some tremendous news, um, and it's going to come with some reservations, but let me get out the good news first. Um, and what it is, is is Pfizer, one of the big uh, pharmaceuticals that's been working on a vaccine, um, put out a very early report today. It was really just a press release, so we need more confirmation on it. But what they say is that their early evaluation of their biggest trial yet of their vaccine showed it to be 90% effective, wow. which is just, yeah, it's above and beyond anything that anybody had really hoped for. Um, the FDA has said that they would give emergency authorization if a vaccine was just 50% um, effective. So that was sort of the bar, the really admittedly really low bar that they'd set, but that was the bar. Um, a lot of folks had been saying if we could hit like 70%, that would be considered huge. That would be like, you know, the triple. Uh-huh. Um, and so I don't think anybody had really even crossed their fingers for 90%. Um now, again, you know, with the caveat that this is this is the company itself reporting this, so we don't have actual data in our hands. Um, nobody outside the company has looked over this. It's also very preliminary. Um, this is not, you know, they're supposed to study it for a period of time. They're only a couple months into this. So, you know, there's, there's potential for, you know, more information to come along, it to be more nuanced. But 90%, no matter what, you know, demonstrates that this this thing seems to be working really well. Um, and even if it gets somewhat lower when we have more results, that still is, you know, definitely something for people to feel legitimately excited about. That's great. And so um, if all continues to go well with the Pfizer um, studies, then what is the timing looking like? When could we actually see a vaccine um, approved and out in the public? So that's sort of the the pros and cons here. Um, the pro there is that we could see it very, very quickly. It could be as, I mean, we could see a vaccine getting into like actual people um, as early as, as before the end of the month, some of us are saying, certainly wow. very likely, yeah, um, very likely before the end of 2020. So that's, that's great. The downside is, you know, the first kind of round of this is going to go to a very limited group of people. So I think that Pfizer has said they would have about 50 million doses ready, which sounds like a lot. But when you talk about, you know, even the American population, that's you run out of that real fast. Um, yeah. It doesn't actually reach that many people, especially because everybody needs two doses to actually get that protection. So, so that would be 25 million people. Exactly, get exactly. So, you know, it's actually not the big of a number. So that's sort of, you know, the bummer. It's just going to go, this is not going to get us to herd immunity. It's not going to get us out of the pandemic. For right now, it's just going to be exciting to see what this means for, you know, the first responders, the people who are really at risk. That's that's very encouraging. And then, you know, they will spend, if this really does prove effective, they will spend, you know, all of next year just ramping this up. And I think the hope is that 
sometime probably in the summertime in 2021 we have enough doses you know in the hundreds of millions to really get it out to, to the whole population and of course in the interim we will almost certainly have more vaccines that come along there's at least mm-hmm. one other vaccine that is very similar to the Pfizer one which you know if it is very similar is likely to have similar results um, and then there are other ones that use different different techniques that should be coming online you know throughout so when are you year. anticipating that the pandemic might end (laughs) i know i've asked you this like a thousand times (laughs) with today's news i mean that i will say it's it's hard to say i mean so much of it there's just too many variables and i've made like estimates on various things in this pandemic all along and have been way (laughs) off base um i mean i would say we're going to be dealing with elements of this you know through certainly most Mm -hmm. of next year um, if not all of next year and, and not, if not even into 2022 to a degree, okay. a lot of it just, it so much is riding on the vaccine and how much they are able to manufacture it, how effective it is, how, what the uptick looks like. Are people going to take it even if they do feel like, you know, it's, it's, if, even if they do feel confident about it, are they going to take it? Will they be able to have access to it? All of those are factors. And then you, you know, you work in, we talk about, you know, how effective it is. We don't know how effective it's going to be in certain age groups. Are older Mm -hmm. people going to have left, you know, there's just a lot of questions that still remain. Um, So it's kind of still hard to pinpoint that, that answer. When will this all be over? But I think that we are dealing with this through most of 2021. Yeah. Do we have any indication of whether um, the vaccines that are showing the most promise would work in kids? My guess would be, and again, I'm just guessing here, that it would probably work the same in kids. Most vaccines, you know, the kid version and adult version are about the same. Um, It's usually older adults that you need something different. Um, They often need um, like, like flu shots. They get, they get like the extra booster shot. Like they get Mm -hmm. like the extra potent one. Um, A lot of vaccines are not quite as effective in, in older adults. I think the, the big question with the, with COVID is the coronavirus, you know, we're seeing evidence that kids have a different immune response to the virus. Um, And so there's, that would mean, I would assume that a vaccine would promote a different immune response in children. So it may, that may mean that, you know, maybe they need more doses, maybe they need a different type of vaccine. You know, I think those are definitely outstanding questions. So, And Governor Newsom said today that um, while the Pfizer news is, you know, great and can give us some optimism that people really shouldn't get too comfortable even with, you know, the promise of a vaccine on the horizon, um, potentially, and, you know, that we need to be as careful as ever with masking and social distancing. So wanted to know if you can speak to that about even when we do get the official good news on the vaccine front that people can't totally let up their guards. No, I think that's a really, really important message. I know that's one of the concerns people had with this news coming out today is is as excited, as enthusiastic as everyone is, um, it doesn't change anything at all for them t- for the time being. That can't be overstated. As as thrilling as this is, and even when it starts to get out to those first responders as priority groups, that literally changes nothing as far as how we need to respond to this pandemic. Every single person still needs to be masking, social distancing, taking all of those precautions exactly as seriously as we have been all along until, you know, I mean, presumably we'll get some word at some point. I don't even know how. <laughs> yeah, that, what will that be? I don't, how will we I don't know? know how that plays out. I've thought you about that. You may burn actually. your mask. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. Is there going to be some moment where you're like, OK, we've officially had enough people vaccinated. Yeah, you can all go and burn your mask. 
I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how that plays out. I'm very curious to see how that plays out. But um, yeah. the point is, it's we're not, not anywhere yet. close to that. <laughs> and it's probably not going to be till next summer or after that. Um, okay. So yeah, everybody does need to keep up all of those precautions. And then you had a really interesting story out available on sfchronicle.com about the plan of um, President-elect Joe Biden um, on the coronavirus front. And there was... Um, you know, definite indications that he's going to take this a lot more seriously than President Trump has and wondered if you can walk through what his priorities are on that front. Right. So I would say the main difference in, in between President-elect Biden and President Trump's plans, um, and I, I say this kind of tongue-in-cheek, but the truth is everybody I've talked to has said this themselves to me, is basically that there is a plan. <laughs> That's what I thought um, you were going to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and again, like, I don't want to be like flippant about this. Um, you know, I think that that president, the Trump administration has had a plan, you know, which is mostly just to push things open as fast as possible mm-hmm. and to, and to a large degree, pretend like this isn't happening. That's not really a plan. No, it's not. But you know what? It's, I think most people in California in the Bay Area, if they look at the president-elect's plan, it will look very familiar to them in that it talks about, you know, ramping up testing. It talks about ramping up contact tracing programs, you know, getting that PPE, um, you know, lined up, um, just making sure that we have the capacity, that we have the resources, all of that that we need. It's a lot of stuff that, you know, has been talked about by our leaders here in the state and in the Bay Area that just you know, only on a, on a national scale on a federal scale. So it's none, there's nothing in there. I think that's too shocking. It's stuff that we've kind of been hearing for months is what should be going on. It's just, um, you know, now we're seeing it laid out on a federal level. He's also, you know, has talked about masking. Um, there's been some sort of conversation about a national mask mandate. I think he's not inclined to do that. I don't think legally he can do that. That's still, I think, is, is a question, but it doesn't sound like he can. But it also doesn't sound like he wants to do that. I think, in fact, he has said his intention is to convince all of the governors to institute statewide mandates, um, which I think the Utah governor just did um, yesterday or the day right. before. So he's he's basically going to be probably using this time to talk to all those governors, especially those Republican governors that have been maybe more resistant and just try to get state masking mandates, you know, across the board or at least get them to really encourage that. You know, that's a lot of kind of what he's going to be doing in this short term time is those kind of, you know, building up those relationships, modeling good behavior, which he's been doing all along. Um, and then, of course, on on Monday, he he appointed this uh, this advisory group, this advisory committee of um, 13 scientists to to help him come up with a with his own plan for when he, he's in the White House. We'll be right back after a short break. You can support Fifth in Mission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited Chronicle access at sfchronicle.com slash pod. Um, how concerned were you to see the street parties in San Francisco and around the Bay Area and even around the world with, you know, tons of people gathered in the streets? A lot of them were wearing masks, but it was still big crowds. Is that anything to worry about it in terms of cases going up? I will say personally, I wasn't too worried about it in the Bay Area anyway. Um, you know, people seem to be, I mean, they were gathered, but they seem to be kind of loosely gathered, meaning people seem to be kind of keeping their distance. They weren't uh-huh. like packed in. Um, and as you pointed out, they were largely wearing masks. 
you know, it's, I have some worries, but the truth is we're just not going to know what the outcome mm-hmm. is there. Um, it's kind of similar to when we had the Black Lives Matter protests, mm-hmm. you know, in the spring where those happen concurrently with the sort of reopening with the surge in cases that was happening in California. And I don't think we were ever really able to trace you know, cases or, or spikes in cases to those, those demonstrations. Um, my guess is that this is going to be similar and that because this is happening in a state of, in a, in a context of cases picking up anyway, we're not, we're going to have a really hard time saying, did we see a big uptake because people were gathering outside and celebrating, um, over a weekend versus, whatever people were doing at Halloween, whatever people have been doing with all the reopening and going back to work and doing things like that. So it's, you'd be surprised. People, people really want to be able to pin these things to particular events. And I get that. I want to know too, but it's just, it's really hard to, to ever really be able to do that. Especially when there's so many cases, right? Exactly, exactly. But I will say it's it's good. You know, these were all outside. Most of them weren't like super long gatherings. Um, people did seem to be masked even outside the Bay Area. Um, so I think there's hope that if we do see cases coming from it, it's not going to be, you know, these aren't going to be super spreader events. We're not going to see a whole lot of cases from it. But yeah, again, we're not really going to know the answer to that. And then I wondered if you can talk about the latest on the national surge, because um, we still have two and a half more months until Biden is inaugurated, um, which coincide with the holidays and cold weather and the potential that people will be gathering indoors. So what are you anticipating, you know, before January 20th? It does not look good. I mean, I hate to say it. Um, The United States just crossed 10 million cases. I mean, 10 million cases is insane. And I think I read somewhere, I haven't done the math myself, but, you know, it took us like 100 days to reach the first one, uh, 1 million cases. And it took us something like eight days to hit this between 9 million and 10 million. Oh, wow. yeah, I mean, well, because we've been reporting more than a hundred thousand cases a day, so the math isn't that hard. There, actually, it's like it took <laughs> oh, us yeah. like eight. Yeah. <laughs> it sounded shocking when you said it, but <laughs> I know. But if you think about it, no. So right. it only, no, that makes the sense. fact that it took us eight or nine days to add a million cases is horrifying, yeah. and we we keep breaking records every day. I think today it was like a hundred twenty thousand cases or something. Wow. Um, I heard Dr. Fauci saying, you know, I think on CNN today that he wouldn't be surprised if we see two hundred thousand cases a day sometimes oh not that far off the problem with this virus is and this is something dr grant colfax with san francisco dph has talked about a lot is that once it gets sort of that foothold and it starts kind of this this exponential growth mm-hmm. it just blows up so mm-hmm. fast and it just like right before your eyes you can see it just take off and once it's on that course it's really really hard to stop it Um, You know, we saw what happened in New York. We saw what happened in Italy. We've seen what happened in other places. And it feels like what we're seeing now is happening across the country. And at some point, it's just like, it's just, it's like a runaway train. And um, which isn't to say that we can't do anything or that people shouldn't, you know, be wearing masks. I mean, obviously, we need to do everything we can to just prevent people from getting infected and dying. But, um, but it's, it's scary to see. It's, um, yeah. You really hope that people will start to take this seriously finally and and do the things they need to do. I might get, I mean, I wouldn't surprise me if we start seeing more kind of states shutting down again, um, reinstituting restrictions, that kind of thing. I don't suspect we will see that in California just because we've weathered, you know, a surge over the summer without doing that. But 
who knows? I mean, like mm-hmm. you said, with the holidays, with even even with the cold weather in the Bay Area, not being as cold as other places, it still does drive people indoors. So, you know, there there's just a lot ahead of us that that frankly is is very much a cause for concern. And I know that the cases um, in the Bay Area and San Francisco in particular have been rising a little bit, but is it anything to worry about to the extent that we're seeing nationally? Or are we still doing a lot better? I mean, we're definitely still doing better in terms of our base cases being lower. But um, I mean, Santa Clara County just just today, just Monday, uh, reported as many cases in a day, or maybe it was on Sunday that they reported as many cases in a day as they did at the peak of the surge in oh, wow. July. It was they they met they met their previous record. Now that was just a one day thing. We don't know. You know, was that just some random thing? Maybe it was even an outbreak that they're still figuring out. But um, point being. You know, we're definitely seeing concerning numbers here. Um, I think the difference in the Bay Area is that, especially in the Bay Area, we've shown that our public health officers and that our our residents, you know, you and me, that that everybody's willing to do what it takes to mm-hmm. get things under control. Um, and we've never seen our hospitals get overrun. We've never seen that kind of out of control situation that other places have. So I do feel confident that our our leaders know what they're doing and they're gonna you know, have our backs on that front. Okay. Thank you. Well, it's always great to talk to you. Great to talk to you, Heather. Hopefully we can do another all day and night soon. I know we need to do more of these. Make it happen. Thank you to Aaron all day for joining me today to Erica Carlos for producing this episode and to you for listening. 